Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hi, fellow listeners, and welcome to episode 26 of Can I Pick Your Brain? Today, I'm really excited to be picking the brain of Rich Brooks. Rich is the founder of Agent of Change, a digital marketing conference focusing on search, social, and mobile. He is also the president of a company called Flight New Media, a web design and marketing agency which he started in his living room. Rich is a featured tech expert on a CNBC news program, an expert blogger for FastCompany.com, and a regular contributor for the world's second most popular blog, Social Media Marketing. And in another life, he enjoys killing zombies on the beach dressed in a Spider-Man costume. Rich, welcome to the show, and thanks for letting me pick your brain. Daniel, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting your audience. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. And before we get into uh, discussing how our listeners can become agents of change, can you tell us a little bit about your background? What and who were your agents of change? Sure. Well, I started this so long ago. Almost it's almost depressing how long ago I started. It was 19 years ago, back in like 1997, when I was reading about the internet from my local newspaper, print paper back then, and couldn't believe that reporters knew more about computers than I did. So I went out, I bought a computer, and basically in my living room, started to first just get to understand how to get online and understand the internet, and then ultimately how to build web pages. And from just those meager beginnings, I started growing my business, attracting more people to hire me, and ultimately got so busy, I started to hire other people and built Flight New Media up to where we are today, which is about eight, nine employees, depending on what day you talk to me, and doing everything from web design to search engine optimization, social media marketing, email marketing, all that. Mm -hmm. And then along the way, also decided that I wanted to share a lot of this knowledge. And one of the things that I love doing is getting up on stage where I can kind of see the impact I'm having and having a, uh, the ability to change the presentation and the way I'm teaching based on the reaction I'm getting from the crowd. So started doing some public speaking, started creating some mm -hmm. workshops and conferences. And ultimately, that led me to start five years ago, the Agents of Change Digital Marketing Conference. Very, very cool. But when you were younger, is this something that you always wanted to do? No. No, because when I was younger, there was no such thing as the web. <laughs> yeah, big. So uh, there was, was there it? were no web designers when I was growing up, strangely enough. I think I wanted to become a veterinarian. I would say, though, as far as, you know, who inspired me, both of my parents were inspirations in their own way. My mom used to be so terrified of, you know, like, speaking in front of the crowd that, you know, when I grew up, uh, belonged to a temple and um, my mother had been asked a number of times to go up and do a prayer in front of the congregation, very small part, and she just could not get up there. It terrified her. But over the years, she decided that um, it was silly that that was holding her back and she did one and then she did a bunch and then she really gained some confidence doing that. And that was a big inspiration to me. And my wow. father worked as a psychologist for a well-known, I mean, he had his own private practice, but he also did uh worked at this hospital called McLean Hospital where they would take tro mostly troubled youth and work with them get them back into society and through a series of downsizing he was left as the chair of three departments but also not a full-time employee and i think at that point he just decided that it was time for him to kind of do the things that he was most inspired by which was a lot of research into resilience and what makes somebody resilient or not resilient and started doing more speaking gigs started doing more writing wrote books and that was really inspiring too because 
up until that point, I really hadn't been introduced to the idea of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship and creating something from scratch like that. And so that was kind of interesting to see that transformation in him. And I think it's really inspired me, even though I'm not, you know, uh, following his footsteps as far as topics, but, you know, he went on TV and it grew his brand. I got on TV and it grew my brand. You know, he started writing and it grew his audience. I started writing and it grew my audience. So really both of my parents were, were true inspirations to me in terms of who I've become at this point. No, it's really, it's really uh, nice to hear that because I have, uh, I have three children myself, little, little ones, you know, eight years old, six years old, and three years old, and they actually get to listen to my podcast when we go on trips uh, on Sundays. They don't really have much of a choice in the matter. Because, I was going to you know, ask if that was a reward or a punishment. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Well, so. yeah, exactly, but. The thing is, is that I actually think that, um, you know, they're quite proud of their dad, you know, that, that you know, they, they kind of listen to me speaking and, and especially my older one, you know, the eight year old, he's like, oh, how many have you done? How many, how many podcast episodes have you done? Like he's, you know, he's very interested to know what, you know, how many I've done and how many people are listening. And, you know, I, I think it's, um, it's really nice to be able to, to give over a message to, to, to my children, you know, just to let them know that. You got to put yourself out there. If you don't put yourself out there, you won't gain anything in life. You know, just hiding behind closed doors, you're not going to get anywhere. So, something I always encourage them myself. Yeah, I have not uh, inflicted my children with my own podcast, uh, but my younger one who loves technology, I've caught her just listening to it on her own. Like she thinks it's fascinating that daddy's got his own podcast. And so we've right. sometimes played around like uh, with, with the equipment at home where I'll interview her and then she'll interview me. And it's been really good bonding actually between the two of us. Now, my older daughter, we have other ways of connecting. She's less interested in the podcast and technology, but there are, you know, these other things that we do to connect. That's very cute. I mean, the thing is, I think it's important what you just said about, you know, not forcing them to, to listen to the episodes because I'm a big tennis player. I love tennis and I got my, my older son tennis lessons. And while he had his lessons, I would play, you know, tennis against, you know, some of my partners. And this was about, I started him on the tennis court about, I don't know, six months ago. And my wife started telling me that when he came home on the day that he would play tennis, he would always say, oh, I'm really upset. Why? Because I'm having, I have to go play tennis today. And it struck me as like, well, what, you know, I don't want him to hate tennis. I don't want him to do something just because I want him to do it. I want him to do something because he wants to do it. And I just think it's important to, to, to sort of give, give my children that, that freedom, like you just said, to give them that, that the freedom to do what, what they enjoy doing. And if he chooses to play tennis when he's older, then great. But so I, I decided to cancel the lessons and that's it. So, it is a challenge. And I will yeah. say my daughters are a little bit ahead of yours in terms of age. I've got one daughter who's 11, another who's 13. And it's a balancing act between you've got to do something though. Like your option is not to sit in the house all day long. Like you've got to go out and do some things. And right. so it's like, do we, you know, one of my daughters unfortunately had a concussion and couldn't really play soccer anymore. She discovered volleyball because it's my wife's sport, but it's that balancing act of like, if we push too hard for her to do volleyball, there's almost that reaction where it's like, I'm, I'm going to make my own way. I'm not going to play volleyball. So right. I say, listen, you don't have to play volleyball, but you have to play some sport or do something athletic and it can be whatever your choice is. So, I mean, cause I, I think team sports can be very valuable to kids. Uh, they don't always have to be on the premier team or anything like that, but just to be able to get out there and get some physical activity, team sports have their own benefits. But you know what? If that's not your thing, that's not your thing. I just ended up having a conversation the other night with another dad from my town. His daughter is real. She was on one of my daughter's soccer teams, never a great athlete. Uh, and we live in, fortunately, a highly competitive town. 
<laughs> but she discovered that she loves to sing. She's good at it and she loves to act. And so she's in a lot of the school plays and she is also singing and getting solos every time that there's like a, uh, you know, a choir concert or something like that. So you do have to pay attention to where your kid's passion lies and it got to be accepting if it doesn't follow your own path. Right. A hundred percent. Getting into the social and, uh, and search, because I want to, I want to touch upon that. Just going back, I want to go back like seven years ago when I started my, my virtual office company. Google was my best friend. I mean, literally, I had um, a team in India who got me to the top of Google, and I only paid them, I think, a couple of hundred dollars a month. And the phone was ringing off the hook, and business was booming. And then like one dark, gloomy day, the, <laughs> the phones just suddenly stopped ringing. And I discovered to my horror and surprise that my website was no longer on top of Google. In fact, it was nowhere to be found. And, you know, I felt cheated. I felt like, what the heck? How can it, how can it just suddenly vanish? And obviously Google was no longer my friend. And I've spent literally years and, you know, tens of thousands of, of dollars trying to, to get back up there. And I'm sure there are many people listening to this that can relate to my experience. What would your advice be? What would you say to that? Well, first of all, Google is never your friend. Google, <laughs> in its best instance, is the friend of the person looking for you. So that's one thing to keep in mind. It is not in service to you as a site owner. It is service to you when you are looking for some sort of service that you want. So also, I've heard many stories of people who have outsourced work to often... I don't know how to phrase this, but but to another country, for sure. And it used to work really well. But Google has become more nuanced as time goes on. And the tricks that used to work in fool, fool Google into thinking that you were providing some sort of level of value that you're not anymore, mm -hmm. it, they're becoming harder and harder to find those, those chinks in Google's armor. I believe that I've always gone for the long-term solutions. And that is create valuable content that people really care about and that serves your purpose as well. And you're going to succeed. You're not going to succeed overnight. If you need overnight success, then you got to do something like Facebook ads or Google AdWords. But if you're looking for that long-term solution, I do believe that search engine optimization can get you there. Uh, but some of the, I found that sometimes when people don't speak your language as a first language, it can be challenging because they're not using the right words. They're not using the right phrasing. They don't necessarily know your audience. They just know a few hacks that work less and less every year. All mm -hmm. that, in, and it's becoming more competitive. I mean, the bottom line is we work with with a wide variety of different clients here at Flight. And it's become a bigger challenge when somebody's just starting out or has not paid a lot of attention to SEO in the past to get them in there because so many of their competitors have done at least some search engine optimization. So what I would tell anybody, whether you're doing it yourself, whether you're hiring somebody is, if you're doing it yourself, you really have to invest some time and effort into this. I don't necessarily know that this is where you're, where you should be spending your time. Just like I don't run my own books. I hire somebody else to do that for me. They show me mm -hmm. the numbers. I trust them. That's probably what I would recommend for most businesses who are really need SEO help. If you do want to do it, there's some great resources out there. Moz is probably one of my favorite go-to sites, moz.com. They have free mm -hmm. information as well as paid information as well. So those are some places that I'd start, but I'd also plan on creating valuable content, understanding the words that my customers are using on a regular basis. Anytime I get an email that I think is intelligent, I basically can repurpose that as a blog post. So if somebody says, you know, they email me and they say something like, Rich, how do I build my email list? Mm -hmm. You know, that then becomes a Dear Abby style post where I can put that out and share it with everybody. And then I point that person back to the blog post. I say, it was such a great question that I thought I'd turn it into a blog post. They're happy. Right. They're satisfied. Plus, they were smart enough or they knew enough to ask me 
How about all those thousands or tens of thousands of people who don't know me? They turn to Google. So in this case, Google is my friend because I've created a truly valuable piece of content that answers people's questions where I can help them out. So that's a, my right. more general evergreen approach to Google and the rest of the search engines. But is it is content enough? Or because from from what I remember, it was all about building backlinks to the site to show Google that you're popular. And even though I know that obviously that's that's not. In other words, Google, you know, cracks down on what kind of links, what type of links. But I've heard people say it's all about just building good content. But ultimately, how can writing good quality content create backlinks to your website? All right. So those are a couple great questions all, all bundled together. I do often say that search engine optimization to oversimplify comes down to two things. One is on-page optimization or how the words on your page in strategic places match up to the search that your ideal customer just did. And then off-page optimization, which is getting quality links to your website. So I, I, I mean, I spend more of my time on the on-page optimization, but I do know there's some great resources out there for off-page optimization. So you're absolutely right. And I think one of the issues that you may have run into is you rely too heavily on Google and other search engines to deliver you traffic. We should never put all of our eggs in one basket. And I do remember one time when just for like a week or so, something must have happened and suddenly like almost all of my traffic from Google disappeared. And it was kind of a wake-up call that you cannot rely on anything any one thing to generate business. And this is why after 150 episodes of my own podcast, interviewing marketing experts who are specialized in Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and, and Snapchat and all these different platforms, that the number one thing that they always talk about is building your list. So yes, search engine optimization is critically important to the growth of your small business, but you can't keep on relying on people to find you through the search engines. Once you've brought them to your website, you need to get them on your email list. And then you can continue to tell them about new great valuable content you're adding to your site. So that's definitely one thing you can do. So you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, social media, webinars, other ways to drive traffic to your site for sure. Digital advertising is becoming more and more important. And then the other thing about getting the inbound links and does creating valuable content in and of itself get you inbound links? Some of, you'll get some links just by creating valuable content and alerting people to it. But you may need to do some additional work, send out emails to send out emails to bloggers and people who create content and just let them know, hey, I saw that you were writing on on subject X. I've written a few things about it. You know, here's a link if you want to take a look at it, something like that. Right. I, I mean, you, you mentioned social media as being another another way to get uh, traffic to your site. But I feel like social media is such a double edged sword. You know, on the one hand, it's an incredible place to attract potential clients and build a fan base. But on the other hand, it's like a very large maze that you end up getting lost in for hours a day and you're pulled in different directions until the sun goes down and you wonder what the hell happened to my day. You know, how do you use the power of social media without getting, you know, cut up into pieces at the, and, and wondering what happened, you know, to all that time? Yeah, I don't know that I have one solution for you. It is something I absolutely struggle with. I mean, I do a lot of presentations on, say, Facebook. So then I go to Facebook to get a screen capture. And then I see that my friend is doing X. And then I see another yeah. friend has shared a video. And so then I follow yeah. to YouTube. And all of a sudden, yeah, the sun has gone down. So yeah. I feel your pain. There's a few things that I have to say on that. One is I was just the other day asked to speak to the New England uh, Small Business Development Center's counselors. These are the counselors that help small businesses throughout the U.S. grow, and this was the New England chapter. And they wanted me to come out and speak on social media because a lot of these people are a little bit older. Not that I'm young, but, uh, you know, they're in their 50s and 60s. They feel less confident when the small business and entrepreneurs ask them about social media. So they asked me to come in and kind of coach them on what to say. 
And I told him, I said, I'll come in and talk to you about digital marketing. And as part of that, I'll talk about social media. But I think for most small businesses, they should not be focusing on social media. They should be focusing on search and email marketing right now. Because I do believe that the golden age of social media may be behind us in terms of getting people to visit our websites and making it easy. There's just so much competition in the Facebook feed and Twitter feeds and LinkedIn, YouTube, all of these platforms have become almost congested. And even things like Snapchat, which is brand new, and yes, you can definitely get in front of people. The bottom line is it's only a matter of time until people realize it's effective and then everybody jumps in and then you have to find something else to do. So Mm. social media is valuable. But uh, again, it's like if I'm trying to prioritize, I don't necessarily know that for most businesses, that's where I want to put my effort. Again, it depends on the business. There's no one side fits all. But I think too many people are attracted to social media because of this belief that it's free and it's some sort of silver bullet for my business. And that's just not the case. Now, as far as some techniques on how to avoid the social media time suck when you have to work in social media, one thing you can do on Facebook is if you get a business page, use Facebook as your business page rather than yourself during the workday. So you're going to see a lot less interesting stuff, but at least it's going to keep you on task. The other thing that I do is, you know, I've recently started writing a book finally after about six years of saying I was going to write a book. And I have found that that has been incredibly focused because what I do is basically shut everything down, including email, social media. I just, I shut everything down and I just work on that. So, you know, when you're just getting started, I think you've got Twitter and Facebook open and maybe LinkedIn all the time. But as time goes on, what you need to do is create blocks of time in your schedule where you just say, this is my writing time. This is my proposal time. This is my telephone call time. Whatever it is that you're doing that's the actual point of your business or causes you to get business. And then I'm going to take a 15-minute break to jump on Facebook, connect with friends, share a couple things, whatever it may be, uh, during the day. But you really do have to carve out those times and be more focused and more particular uh, and more purposeful in your use of social media during the day. And then at the end of the day, if you want to kick back, watch some sports and catch up on Facebook or Twitter, then go ahead and do that. Right, right. I I find that I think it's what you get done in the beginning of the day should be the most productive and the most important things. And once you've got those out of the way, and once you've written that 2000 word blog post, or once you've, you know, made the calls that you need to call to follow up with the potential clients or leads, Okay, so then at three o'clock in the afternoon or whenever it is, once you've done all of those, you know, things that you, you know, that are productive, then you can go onto the social media and maybe, you know, try and whatever it is that you, that you need to do. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I don't disagree with you, Daniel. And the only thing that I would add to that is because that's actually my schedule too, is I am most productive in the morning. But mm-hmm. if you find yourself that you are least productive in the morning and you're best in the afternoon, then just flip that. You know, know right. when you get your best quality work done and during those times, close the door, shut down your social media sites, get your writing done or pick up the phone, whatever it is that helps you grow your business. Because unless you're a social media consultant Your job is not to be popular on social media. That's just kind of like something you may need to take care of. You know, your job is to, you know, get the sales bell ringing, you know, get people in the door, whatever it may be. And so really you need to keep your focus on what is the business of your business. Right. And speaking about uh, social media consultants, I mean, there are hundreds of self-proclaiming social media experts and gurus popping up every day. And quite frankly, it's overwhelming and it's hard to know who's the real deal and who isn't. I don't know. Did you think small businesses should outsource their social media or, or should we manage it, you know, yourself? There's no good one size fits all answer here. So, you know, we work with clients who, some of whom they just want training. 
They're like, I just want somebody to sit me down and show me how I can create the best mobile-friendly email newsletter, how I can get the best use out of Facebook, whatever it is, but I want to do it myself. So great. So we have one plan for that. We call it something like flight, flight school. So that just gets you up and running. Then there's other people who want to work with us. You know, it's like we can create some content rich, but we need your help on some of the others and we need your help on figuring out the metrics and the ROI and our KPIs and all the other three-letter acronyms. I'm like, okay, great. We do that too. (laughs) And then for other people, they're just so busy, but they know they need a presence, but that's not really where they shine. So they just pay us to do everything for them. Now, small businesses are going to have different budgets. You know, I always hear from nonprofits, do you have a nonprofit rate? And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, it's the same as our small business rate. Because one of the things I've noticed is many nonprofits have a much bigger budget than a lot of the small businesses we work with. Mm. So I think some people are naturally good at building an audience. I have a friend of mine, uh, April Care. She and her husband run a chiropractor's office or a few of them around Mm -hmm. town. And anything she puts on Facebook just crushes it. It just goes viral. It's right. like I, I'm almost angry with her. She's it's yeah. so naturally to her. And then other people are just so awkward, you know, and it's just painful to see anything they post and nobody comments. <laughs> I think you need to focus on where you add the most value and where you where you shine. There's no yeah. shame in hiring somebody to help you or manage your social media or SEO in the same way that there's no shame in hiring a CFO for hire to come in and help you with the books or to hire somebody to come in and help you with your HR issues or find somebody to help you find an office when you're ready to leave your home office for, for traditional space. So right. it it's about doing what you do best and outsourcing the rest. Mm. I noticed that you have over 13,000 followers on Twitter, but you hardly have any interaction, whereas on Facebook, you have far less followers, yet a lot of engagement. Do you think it would be wise to invest more time on Facebook and far less on Twitter? I use Twitter because it's absolutely my favorite platform, but it is hard not to recognize that I get better engagement on Facebook in part because of the Facebook algorithm. Um, I mean, you, you put, for, for example, just to give an example, you, you know, you post something on Facebook and I noticed, you know, you can easily get 40 likes and, and, and a bunch of comments. And on Twitter, your last few tweets, that, I mean, I was scrolling down for quite a while, you know, maybe one like and, and maybe one retweet. Right. So how could you justify in a way you know, being on that platform when you're hardly getting any engagement, whereas Facebook, it's it's clear that there's so much more engagement there. Justify is an interesting choice of words. Yeah, I guess I, it's because I I, not, I not hate Facebook you. and I love Twitter. That's I mean that's literally it. But if you know, it's a good question because I was doing a presentation on Friday also, and a woman in the back of the the audience who I'm friends with asked me. She's like, you know, I'm getting a lot of questions about Twitter. And how would you recommend people get started on Twitter today? And I thought for a second, I said, you know what? I wouldn't. (laughs) I wouldn't recommend that you get started on Twitter today because I honestly don't know if the platform is going to survive any longer. I use Twitter because I love it. Like I passionately just love the fact that I'm limited to 140 characters. I love (laughs) the people who are on Twitter. It's a much smaller audience, but it's just for me, it's more interesting. And it's how I like to receive my news and keep up on, you know, local events going on. But yeah. You know, when I, the other day I posted something both to Twitter and Facebook, and I do admit that I, the way I posted it on Facebook was better, but basically the question was, if you had to have a hashtag on your gravestone, what would it say? And I got like 56 comments on Facebook because Facebook's re- rewards you for having engaging content. So right. for that reason, 
Facebook makes a lot of sense. I just happen to enjoy Twitter more because, I don't know, because it's easier for me to manage my experience maybe because I don't have to see so many ridiculous posts about the elections in America. Uh, whatever the case may be, it's just I enjoy the experience of Twitter better. But you're right. I can't justify it except that I enjoy it. And if I didn't enjoy it, I might have already abandoned Twitter. Hmm. What hashtag would you have on your grave site? Oh, now I, I forget which one I actually said. You walked into that one. Yeah, I know. I'll have to go check my feed and see. <laughs> okay. You mentioned before about email. I want to get into that, about building the email list. But I guess some people would say, you know, why is it so important to focus on building an email list when you can spend time building a social media following? A lot of people are looking at email as old school, traditional, whereas, you know, Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram are cool and it's live and it's now, it's in the moment, it's, you know... What would you say to that in terms of social media versus spending time building the the email list? Sexy isn't about business. I mean, the bottom line is, yeah, everybody gets distracted. So I don't even know if sexy is the right word for social media, even though it's a word I use all the time. Distracting mm -hmm. might be a better word. <laughs> and I say this at almost every presentation I do. I'll, I'll stand in front of the audience and I'll say, you know, it's like, I will probably miss about 30,000 tweets from the people I follow while I'm up here on stage. And I will never see those tweets again. Mm. But when I get done with this and I go check my email, every email is going to mm. be there waiting for me. Building a, a list is so important because the bottom line is we miss so much on social media because we don't control it. Now, one of the reasons, one of the big things that I always say is social media is great in the same way that a networking event is great. You get to meet a lot of cool people. You have some good conversations and you maybe start to build some trust and uh, relationships that way. But my experience has been is it's very difficult, if not impossible, to sell in social media. And I don't control it. I mean, most of us who have been doing this for a couple of years know that, you know, years ago, if I posted something on my Facebook business page, 70 to 80% of the people who like me was going to, were going to see that. Now it's like one to 5%, depending on your rate of engagement. And that's terrible, you know, for these people who also spent a lot of money with Facebook to get more likes for their page. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So my thing is, if I get you to opt into my email list, and that's the whole thing, I'm not buying less. I'm just getting people to say, yes, Rich, I want to hear more from you. Then I have permission to deliver fresh content into their inbox, the one place that they have to check. And all of these conversations about like, oh, young people don't have email or email so old fashioned. I just have to say bullocks. Can I say that <laughs> on your show? Just say whatever you like. Um, because... That's just not true. If you're in business, you have an email address. And the reason why I know that even social media sites are paying attention to email is because I get about four to five emails a day from LinkedIn, two to three from Facebook, and so many from Twitter that I had to set up a special filter to delete them as soon as they came in. So right. they know, these social media platforms know the power of email marketing. It's mm -hmm. lost on me why most small businesses don't understand that. And just In fact, take a, take a step further, people like Buffer, companies like Buffer who manage all the social media platforms, they also have a, a, a built, a built a massive email list and constantly are emailing out. So it's interesting. Yeah, it is, it is probably the most critical piece of everything else. I mean, search is important, social is important, but the bottom line is I know that I've got like, would you say like 13,000 followers on Twitter and I've got an email list of about the same size. But if I send out an early bird discount to the Agents of Change conference, to both those similar size lists. I know mm. that I'm going to get like 50 people to buy tickets through my email list and maybe one through Twitter. 
You know, that's wow. the difference. Um, even same thing with face it, fa- uh, with Facebook is the <laughs> faced in interesting. Um, is that, you know, I might get a lot of engagement. People faced might in. say, Good. yeah, people might say, Oh yeah, that conference looks great. I definitely got to do something about it, but they don't take an action on it. So. It's good for building up your brand, social media is, but I don't think you're going to make the sale. So I use social media as a way to drive people to my property, which is my website, and then get people to to opt into my email list. And I do that through a series of different uh, tactics, including like some lead magnets, like uh, downloadable sheets and other information that people find valuable. And they're willing to trade their email address to get to that particular piece of information. Do you know what I think it could be, Rich, is that I think social media is so easy. It's easy and it's lazy. It You just sit there and you just literally just type and post. And even if it's really bad, okay, so you know what? In about 30 minutes, nobody's going to see it anymore. Right. Um, when you write an email or when, you, when you're trying to get people to subscribe to your email list and you mentioned also lead magnets, that's hard work. You know, you've got to sit down and really come up with good content and you've got to send it out and you've got to you know, stay on top of it. And it's not, it's not easy. And you got to be consistent. Whereas with social media, you don't. And I think that's, I think that's really what it comes down to. I think a lot of people just kind of just spend the time doing what's easy and what, and what's, what they think is the quick win. But ultimately, email seems to be what's working, but it's a harder, it's, it's, it's harder to do it. Daniel, I think you're right on the money on that one, that the barrier to entry on social media is coming up with a unique username. And <laughs> that's just, you know, and, and I said this, I was actually, so the presentation I did on Friday was actually about putting on live events, which I call the new old social media platform because our Facebook feeds and our Twitter feeds and our LinkedIn feeds are so congested with really crap. And I'm sorry <laughs> to your six-year-old who's listening to this right now, but I feel passionate about this. It's <laughs> just so terrible. Tell, my wife's going to tell you off about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just so much of the content that's cr- put out there today is just so terrible. Like, I don't understand how people could put their name on it, uh, but it's just easy for them to create this sort of stuff. So I was talking about how live events are different and it does take a little bit more effort. And that's why. And one woman, after I was explaining all the things we do for the Agents of Change conference to raise awareness and to get people in the seats, she's like, you know, I've put on live events and, you know, everything you're saying, it sounds great, but it just sounds like so much work. (laughs) <laughs> and I said, you know what? I th- I think that's part of the point. I think it is a lot of work. I mean, I'm not, and I said, and admittedly, like I'm giving you the smorgasbord and I have a team of people and I'm a digital agency. So uh-huh. it is easier for me to do a lot of these things because I do them all the time anyway. I'm not suggesting you do all of them, but I am saying it is work. I want to break it down for you so you know how much work it is. And also, so I simplify it to give you a framework for it. But this is why your competitors won't do it. So if you do it and they don't do it and you're up on stage and you're the one people are talking about because you're putting on a local event, that's why you're going to succeed and they're not. And like you said, they're just going to be posting something to Facebook and saying, well, if it doesn't work, I can always post something else in 30 minutes. And I think that's the difference because yes, social media, giant disruptor, amazing. A bunch of people got really famous or really rich or really successful because they happened to jump in at the right place at the right time. But now that period is over and now everybody's trying it. So now really the cream rises to the top. And you've got to really create some incredible value for people if you want to be seen or noticed on social media, in live events, in email marketing, whatever it is, that you do have to put in the work. And I like your thoughts around the idea that some people are just lazy and they don't want to put anything out there and they don't want to try too hard, maybe because they're afraid of failure. So they look to social media as like, well, at least I'm tweeting or updating uh, my Facebook page or whatever it may be. You know what? It's funny because at the at the beginning, it almost sounded depressing, like, oh, no, 
Uh, that means I've got to spend less time on Facebook and I've got to start writing emails. But the truth is, this, people listening to this, you should be literally jumping up for joy. And I'll tell you why. Because if everybody's running to Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and, and Snapchat, and like, like you said, Rich, before, if everybody's doing the easy thing, then you've got the advantage. You've got a huge advantage. Most of your competitors are not going to be focusing on email because they're going to be thinking like you, which is, oh, email, nah, you know. But the bottom line is when you uncover all of the excuses, the bottom line is, is that it's laziness, it's procrastination, it's that whole perfectionist mindset that I've got to write the perfect email. No, you don't. Because you know what? There's so few of your competitors that are writing any emails consistently that you don't even have to do them that well. Right. They're all on, they're all just, just, you know, doing all the, the easy stuff, social media. And, and, and you know what else? They're probably throwing their money into pay per click and AdWords and Facebook ads because again, it's easy. Here, here's, here's a thousand dollars. Boom. I'll put it into Facebook ads. Boom. I'll put it into AdWords and just magically everybody will come to my site and buy nonsense. Because at the end of the day, if everybody's doing it and everybody is doing it right now, then you're just going to get in this bidding war. And if you're a startup business or a small business, you have no hope against anyone who's got a little bit more money than you do. But with email marketing, it's incredible. You don't have to spend any money doing it, but you do have to spend your time and you have to get a little bit creative and think a little bit out of the box. And in fact, I would even take this moment and say this, if you want to see what it's like to write good emails, and I'm not going to just, I'm not saying this to be egotistical, but I would say sign up to my email list. I'm going to do it. I'm going to say this. Go to my website, sign up to my email list and see the consistency and see the quality of the emails. And you know what? Copy it. I don't care. Take what I'm doing, use it and plug it into what you're doing. And I would even say, why not? Go to Rich's website. Rich, give over your website. Why not? Takeflight, F-L-Y-T-E dot com is uh, one of our websites. And then agentsofchangecon.com is, is our conference website. Go to that website. It will be in the in my show notes. Click on the link and sign up to his to Rich's email subscribe just to be able to see the consistency and to see the quality of of what Rich is doing or what his company is doing. Because you know what, it's working. And if it's working for him, there's no reason why it won't work for you in whatever industry you're in. I've been told many times that my welcome email is the best welcome email anybody has ever read. Like at least, you know, every few months, somebody emails me directly to say, I usually don't read welcome emails, but I'm glad I read yours because it is hysterical. If that's not a teaser, I don't know what is. (laughs) Brilliant. Rich, what's the best way for my listeners to get in touch with you as well, besides for signing up to your email list? Well, I am on Twitter, as you said, and I w- apparently I need more engagement. So they can reach out to me there. I'm the okay. Rich Brooks everywhere. So that's probably the easiest thing. Your listeners are podcast listeners. So that's great. So why not check out my podcast? If you head on over to agentsofchangecon.com slash iTunes, I also have an interview-based show. I interview marketing experts from around the world on search, social, and mobile marketing. And I focus on helping people like me, small business owners, marketers, entrepreneurs, consultants, people who are really looking to understand the digital landscape and how they can do things better. Amazing. And again, those links will be in the show notes. You can head over there. Uh, Just before I wrap up this episode, I just want to give a few shout outs. Um, I made some promises on Facebook to some of my fans that I would give them a shout out. So Aidan Zev Enav, and by the way, if I don't mention, if I don't pronounce your names right, please forgive me. Aidan Zev Enav from Diamond Guru, Tova Necht, Nachum Kligman, and Yaakov Lehman. 
big shout out to you guys. Thanks for listening and thank you for subscribing to my podcast and supporting what I do. Rich, you are an inspiration. It's really been great getting to know you better. Thanks so much for letting me pick your brain and thank you to all my fellow listeners for tuning in. I'm looking for the time when I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.